Welcome to the pen and the yad. This week's Torah portion is Bo. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago sits down with author Jonathan Eig. Bo, what was the purpose of the plagues? Well, it depends on who you ask. So we're in the thick of the plagues. I can't help but allow my mind to go back to the movie The Ten Commandments. It's impossible to avoid that. I, you know, I can't. I, I always hear Yul Brynner, Moses. I love that stuff. I, you know, Edward G. Robinson. I, that's a, you know, He's a very interesting <laughs> figure because he's not. Where's your, where's your God now? Right. Yeah. That's all. I mean, that's an entire conversation as to the history of that film and what Edward G. Robinson was doing in that film and who he represents. It's a really interesting issue about American Jewry. But to shift off of that for a minute, for at least for this episode, let's talk about the plagues in general. What are they doing there? If God wants to take the Israelites out of Egypt, why doesn't God just snap God's fingers, so to speak, and just move them there? Yeah, that's what I've been saying since you know second grade. You know, if God has all this power, what's he? Why does he need? Ten plagues, why wasn't one or two good enough? And then why didn't he just skip them all together and just, you know, as you said, snap his fingers or her fingers? So, which leads to the larger question, two questions. What are the purpose of the plagues? And who's the audience? If the audience are the Egyptians, then is that is this about punishment? And if the audience is the Israelites, then what's the purpose of that? Is it a way of garnering faith amongst the Israelites? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, these are slaves, and and they've been oppressed, and they maybe need a little bit of incentive to uh, before they go crossing any Red Seas, right? Let's begin with a question. Who is God? And this question comes up at the very beginning of the book of Exodus. Because when Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go, Pharaoh says, I don't recognize this God. Who is this God? Because what Pharaoh's thinking is, I'm God. And guess what, Moses? You're the only one, your people, this enslaved people, you're the only ones who believe in this God. And everyone else in the world, at least in my world, all the millions of Egyptians, they think I'm God. So are you kidding? So the plagues are an attack on Pharaoh and the gods of Pharaoh. So if you think about it, the plagues begin underground in water. So you have blood and you have frogs, right? And then it moves to the land, next three plagues. And you have cattle vermin and you have cattle plague, you have grasshoppers, and you have all kinds, you have the ta- and then you have the sky. And so in a way, the creation is turning against them. But these are all kind of parts of the Egyptian, the Egyptians worship the Nile, right? And Nile turns against them. They they worship gods on the land, and those gods turn against them. In the sky, right, the sun turns against them. It becomes, uh, there's an eclipse. So in a way, God is saying, this is my creation. I'm turning it against you. But can't a lot of these be explained away as, as natural phenomenon? I mean, if, if you're God and you're trying to make this clear as, as clearly as possible uh, to Pharaoh, why not do something less uh, organic and just 
produce the big miracles right away? Why create these natural ones that might be explained as related to environmental conditions? Because I don't think that, that Pharaoh is the audience. Pharaoh is the audience long enough to unchain the gates. I, I don't remember Pharaoh declaring himself a Jew or becoming part of Jewish people. I don't think Egyptians convert to Judaism wholesale. There's a tradition about some who do. The audience really are the Israelites. That's God's audience. But you could make the same argument that more spectacular, briefer uh, miracles would have convinced the Jews, the Israelites, um, better than these, um, these long list of 10 organic, somewhat vague, possibly environmental catastrophes. Maybe... What God wants from the Israelites is what God wanted from Moses. Remember that Moses has to stop long enough to see in the burning bush something more. My guess is is that if we went to Egypt with CNN and were kind of doing special reports 24-7 about the blood in the Nile or cattle plague or the eclipse— I don't know that the CNN reporter would say, well, the Israelite God is behind this, because the miracle, as you were saying, isn't that obvious. Right. They would have had scientists to explain it. Exactly. So the audience of Israelites has to see this, see God's hand in this. That's what that's, It's the same idea. And that faith that God is working through history, has to move them forward. That's going to have to be the only thing that motivates them. Because the episodic miracle fades because we want to know what God's next act is. So then is do you see the role of Moses as a leader being just that of the evangelist? Is his job to convince the Israelites that God is with them, as opposed to convincing the Israelites that it's time to act? I think he's both. I think Moses has to be the hand of God, if you will, that staff of his. He touches it to the water. He holds it to the sky. He is the nexus point between God and the Israelites. And his faith is showing what's possible. So one lesson, I think, is that God is the creator and God is in control of the creation and God works through the creation. But there's a second lesson. The God of Israel is a God of justice. And so what's happening to the Egyptians What's happening to Pharaoh is an act of justice. One of, the, one of the tragic stories is that when Pharaoh promulgates this law to throw the firstborn of the Israelites into the Nile, the firstborn male sons, there's no hue and cry. The Egyptians do it. They do what they're told. There's only these, these two midwives, Shifra and Pua, who act against Pharaoh's plan. And so from the Torah's perspective, that story shows you that while Pharaoh might be most responsible, all are guilty, all are culpable. All of the Egyptians allowed for this to happen. And so the 10th plague, when you leave the creation, because the 10th plague makes no sense. It's irrational. You can't say, well, this is an eclipse and the locusts come every few years and the Nile in a time of drought begins to recede and you have a red clay bottom. And so that might have been understood by the Egyptians as being blood. They don't know. They can't really understand it. Cattle drinks the water, all the rest, and they get sick and they die and there's disease. Yes, you can explain everything except for the 10th plague. The 10th plague is God's hand. And at that time, the Israelites have to put the blood on the doorposts because they have to decide which side they're on. Have they taken in the lesson or haven't they? And 
thousands of children die. How just is that? Right. I mean, it's it's finally God's hand revealing itself with stunning clarity, but it's also really questionable about whether that's the kind of justice that we believe in. Some might say it seems like vengeance. Do you think that the average Israelite who may very well have lost a child, had the child taken from them and killed in the Nile, would see it that way? I don't know. I don't know how how anybody would respond to that, but I just feel like it's an eye for an eye, and it's a kind of a cruel justice, and it's certainly not something we teach uh, our children, that we should view justice as an eye for an eye. Well, the Torah clearly has a different sense of that, but what's interesting is, is that the Israelites themselves were not the perpetrators of this act. That's true. It was God. And so there's the difference. But what the Israelites are seeing is that the creator of the universe, this God that they're following, is a God of justice. You may not agree with that justice, but there is a higher justice that is being visited on the Egyptians. And without that act, it's not at all clear that Pharaoh would have chosen to allow them to go. At that point, that God of Egypt, his son was killed. Mm -hmm. But you're also saying that without that act of justice, that the Israelites might not have had the courage to go. I think that's. I think there's a lot to that. They took a lamb, which was worshipped. They had to take the blood, put it on their doorposts, mark themselves off, come out of hiding, stand tall, and walk out of Egypt. That takes a tremendous amount of courage. That may be the greatest miracle of all, that a slave people found the courage to do that. It's a powerful idea, and the plagues raise a whole variety of issues. How carefully are we looking at the world? What is justice really? Is it an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth? How do we understand God's justice? How do we align that with our own sense of justice? These are real questions, but they didn't end with Moses. They're very much alive and well today. <laughs> 